It's Brit Summers at the Brit Summers Show. WWNN 1470, 95.3, 96.9, 103.9, and you are listening to the Brit Summer Show, broadcasting live, literally, from a fascist state. This state is now run by a fascist. And speaking of fascists, uh, Jenner, you're not fooling anybody, especially anybody in the transgender community. You fascist, part-time cross-dresser, Nazi son of a bitch. You're not kidding anybody. Put your pants back on, Bruce. More on that at another show. I'm gonna. <laughs> I don't have time for that. Damn it! I hate that son of a bitch. I think listeners who have been listening to me for a while now, almost ten years, know how I feel about that cross-dressing, part-time, self-loathing piece of crap. With a lot of money and a great agent. Oh, he's with the Kardashians. Oh, I'm certain there's some sisters in the community that will gush over the the stardom, the TV stardom, and the glamour. Yeah, you want to see glamour? Watch that awkward douchebag walk in in, uh, ladies' pumps. That bastard hobbles like he's got hemorrhoids the size of grape clusters. But I want to start off on a negative note. Just want to (laughs) say that Joe Biden gave a great speech this week. And hopefully there will be some way that he can follow through on any of it. Because we've got a Senate that just is unwilling to reach around and uh, touch somebody and cross the aisle or whatever you want to call it. With uh, Joe Manchin walking on the tight wire with Leon Russell. And uh, that certified nutcase, Kristen Wraparound Cinema. Not to mention, and I, I didn't watch it. I didn't want to. I intentionally turned it off. But the rebuttal by Senator Tim Scott. How did he get elected? I don't know. Did he actually somehow fool the black voters in South Carolina that he, he was going to do something for them? He, he, he uh, and I didn't watch it, but uh, of course, I did nothing but uh, hear the playback. He, he was an apology. He apologized. Tim Scott apologized for being a black man. I don't know how he can show his face in the African-American community. I don't know how he... Well, he's Republican, so that means no shame. You can mark that down. <laughs> Republicans have no shame. They don't, they, there's no bar low enough for a Republican. I guess that... But wow. In South Carolina, no less. Where slave, the heart of slavery was right there. And it's like... He must be under the impression that slavery in the South meant secure employment. He must be one of those. I guess uh, Tim Scott, when uh, the Klan is burning across, he provides all the marshmallows. I, I don't get him. But I don't see how we're going to... we got to get SB1 done just to strike down or block all of these red Republican states that are, are taking voting rights away. SB1 will uh, fix that, but <laughs> you, you know one thing that the, the Democrats aren't like? Democrats, they be like, Yeah, they're all living for today, you know? The, the future is bright 10 minutes from now. But they're not looking at 22. They're not looking at 24. The Republicans are. It's a, it's, they're never going to take what I say seriously. And they're never going to take communications seriously. The Democratic Party, that is. Uh, they're never going to take uh, communication strategy seriously. They just won't. They just, it's not in their DNA. It's just not going to happen. And if we get any, if we make any kind of progress in 22 and 24, it'll just be by sheer luck. Because we do not have, and I'll say it a million times more, we do not have a broadcast communications infrastructure, which 
they do and it's running 24 7 and we got nothing well we got social media yeah we narrow cast on social media and not to mention there's no way to target a demographic on social media you don't know who's looking or who's not looking or where is it put it on facebook i know you can promote things on there but people delete uh i was in a meeting uh just the other night where it was discussed on uh, the mail-in votes in 2020 how successful the mail-in votes were and uh and the new registrations we got a lot of new democrats we've got more democrats per square inch in florida and a bathroom has many tiles and it doesn't matter they don't all vote and it turns out that uh yeah registrations across the state increased but uh no, not enough people turned out and the reason for that is and i told this to them I'll it was me right we do not have a communications infrastructure and i asked about that to this person who was uh, in charge of uh, in a very high position and she said that uh yeah the florida democratic party they have a communications department and it didn't work too well it didn't work at all because they're not high hire me for christ's sake hire here i am you want a communication strategist who understands how it works hire me or not just me there's other more qualified people instead of getting people in there to, to go along to get along to you know uh, political favors granted you know like the fcc oh speaking of our Distinguished Federal Communications Commission, which is, oh, and by the way, this is going on the air, and I'm not going to use any curse words, so the FCC should be very, very happy. But I will say this the Federal Communications Commission, as of now, consists of nothing but incompetent, lazy lobbyist slobs. And each one of those words is not a profanity, so I, I can't get in trouble for saying that. I promised the audience that I was going to uh, listen to their FCC podcasts. If you go on their website, they have... (laughs) They actually did this. They have podcasts on the FCC website. Here's the problem, and here's why I didn't download them. Uh, They're old. They're from the previous administration under... Who is gone now. So it's like everybody there is probably gone now. And I would have had no problem doing it, but there's no point to it. There's been no new podcasts posted since January. Interestingly enough, it's like they all skedaddled out of there really quick. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that they, they mentioned on these podcasts, they would use this opener to their pod we are the federal communications commission and don't think we ignore the airwaves yes we're still in control we're still in charge and we're overlooking everything no you're not you're pretty much endorsing the propaganda and lies and stochastic terrorism that is on the air and if you are more focused on telecom which pretty much that's all the fcc is all about just telecom giant telecom comcast at&t verizon that's all they're concerned with let me tell you a little story i had to get a new phone because my other one just (laughs) just exploded it's just so old i was forced to get a new phone and uh you know i don't like the upgrades are nice but i I was really happy with the old phone you know what happens when you're used to using something and it becomes second nature to you you just touch you move whatever it is and uh, there it is it's done but no no now i have to go through a whole new learning curve uh, with this new phone i got you're probably very familiar with this if you've bought a phone you go into the store i don't buy them online because i'm with metro oh uh, i don't want to take that chance because i want to i want to keep my phone number thank you very much i know you could get them online but no i don't want to mess with certain things anyway i'm in this uh, store and you've seen this they have the new phones on display tethered to the display case you know so naturally they can't be stolen and some of those phones are operational you can you know look look through it uh, test it whatever you want to do that's the reason they're there (laughs) 
when I was in the store, every now and then, the, the, the phones started ringing. Now, these are display phones. Nobody owns them. Therefore, display use only. And they were getting sales calls. Sales calls. I'm like, I, I couldn't believe this. It's like I said to the person there, I said, does this happen all day? She said, yeah, I have to. At the end of the day, before we close, I have to go to each phone and block each number that called. And uh, it just keeps going on. I said, but nobody owns the phone. She says, it doesn't matter. And she didn't even know how they got the phone numbers. They're, they're not even issued phone numbers. And you've got sales holes calling these phones. And how many times have you been expecting an important call uh, from, from an appointment you made or, or, or maybe from your doctor and, and you don't have the number already listed in your uh, contacts, but you don't recognize the number either, but it's somebody you should be talking to, yet you'll automatically, and I do this all the time, you automatically block it because of all the hundreds of sales hold calls that you get with phantom numbers. And another thing, if you block the number, it's a phantom number that you're blocking. They just call you right back with another one. They generate new ones as they call. And a lot of it's offshore, but a lot of it's also here. And who is in charge of monitoring this criminal activity? And I say criminal because it is against the law to call a cell phone. Why is it against the law on a cell phone and not a landline? Landline, it's legal. But it is illegal to make an uninvited sales call on a cell phone. And why is that law in place? Or I don't even know if it still is. Because landlines are underground. And the FCC has no jurisdiction over underground lines. But these calls are coming over cell towers. Which the FCC does have absolute regulation over. And they're also charged with apprehending these offenders, which they never, never do. They ignore it. It's totally ignored by the FCC. Oh, sure. If you look on their website, we're seeing into these uh, illegal uh, sales calls that you get. No, they're not. They're not doing anything. Not a day. And, and okay, I'm really happy with Joe Biden so far. But again, FCC, last on the priority list with Democrats. They just don't care. And I'm certain it's not even, it hasn't even been mentioned. I don't even know if Jessica Rosenweisel has been confirmed or not, but she's in charge, apparently. And what is her job? Okay, take the, uh, regulating uh, radio airways off the table completely and just make it all telecom. Uh, well, that's where these sales calls are coming. And if it is a giant cell phone tower, which is on every corner or every town, every you have it down the street, you have it somewhere where you live for your cell phone to work, those are airwaves that it's using. It's coming across the airwaves, which is the jurisdiction of the Federal Communications Commission. Now, what are they doing about it? That's what they're doing about it. And another thing, with all due respect I, I, everybody loves Tom Hartman, including me. I, I am just some crazy tranny in South Florida, and I, I just I hate correcting Tom Hartman, who just wrote another book when I said that. He's just a, an amazing intellectual that we're very fortunate to have on the air. Not, not down here anywhere, not in Florida anywhere, but in some states and online. Even He's, he's such a sweetheart. Even the right-wingers like him. They don't agree with him, but he's a nice man. You don't mess with Tom Hartman. So I'm feeling a little out of sorts about saying this, but he keeps repeating the same thing, and it's at one time, yes, it was accurate, but it isn't anymore. On occasion, he'll get a caller that'll bring up the Fox News propaganda network and all this stuff, and deservedly so. And his standard answer is half correct. Fox News is a cable news station and the FCC has no jurisdiction over it. Any cable news networks. At one time, that was true. But that was... <laughs> and and the, the whole 96 Telecom Act 
the the excuse they used to, to deregulate radio was uh, internet. Okay, so what happens? All these years later, they're streaming on the internet. Now, to stream on the internet also means you can receive it on your phone. How do you receive their stream on your phone, on your any device? How does that happen? It goes over the airwaves. You see, back in 96, they, they didn't know this. Well, they, they had cell towers back then, but it wasn't pervasive. It wasn't like it is today. So it wasn't a consideration. I don't even think it was even put into the text because they, they didn't know. But now they're taking radio towers down to sell the real estate. And in its place, selling the real estate to telecom companies to put up towers of cell phone dishes. These are, this is not satellite. This is a terrestrial airwave. How that, I don't think I'm wrong about this. So if Fox News is streaming onto a device, it's going over the air. And not to mention they have the Fox News radio network. How can they not have jurisdiction over that? Over misinformation, propaganda, and, and, and eliminationist rhetoric. How can they not have, you, you know, okay, well, First Amendment, shouting fire in the theater, that thing, that you could have never done on the air. That was the limit. But every day, every hour, every second, they're shouting fire in the theater on the air. So where are you, FCC? What the hell good are you? What are you doing besides collecting a check uh, for uh, telecom mergers, another merger, whatever? You're doing nothing, FCC. The do-nothing agency or administration, nothing. They're worthless. Because really all they're concerned with when it comes to uh, on-air broadcasting now, these days, is, did they say a dirty word? Ooh. And by the way, when, one thing I, I have to mention about Joe Biden's speech is CNN. <laughs> they wheeled her back out. Abby Phillip. <laughs> the woman who has absolutely nothing to add and nothing to say. <laughs> there she was. Camera two, Abby. 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 Camera two. <laughs> Why do they keep putting her on the air? I don't know. She's terrible. Awful. And, and I think she's pregnant, so uh, g- give her some time off. Like a lot of time. Like like forever. But I got to be careful where I live to what I protest about because I could get run over. And I'm, I'm protesting even if I do get run over. You know somebody's going to get killed. You do understand that. And parents, if your children have to wait for a bus in the morning, uh, don't have them hold up their hands or any kind of signage. You think they're going to stop at kids? No. And these mouth-breathing rednecks behind the wheel of a pick em up truck with the garbage on their dashboard. They don't care if they're not going to care if it's a group of children. But anyway, the, the phone, the new phone I got. Because my old phone didn't have this. And when you're driving, it's a really nice feature. Speaking of driving. <laughs> it's a nice feature to, to talk into it and dial your phone number. You know, pull up so-and-so's phone number or whatever it is. My old phone didn't have this, how old the phone was. It didn't do that. And it turns out the, the phones that have that feature, it's called a, a Bill Bixby. I don't know why they, they named it after Bill Bixby, but, you know, something should be named after Bill Bixby because, I mean, come on. He was a great guy, and he died very sadly, very young. So the honor should go to Bill Bixby. Now, the idea behind this Bixby app is that you, you speak into it and it gets you, pulls your number up. Okay, the new phones don't have it. And you have to use Google. And I don't want to use Google because Google takes every personal aspect of your life, they save it, they categorize it, and then they sell it. They sell it to the highest bidder. That's what they do. And don't use the cloud. Public service announcement to everybody listening to this program. Do not use any kind, any form of cloud. All your information, all your pictures, all your documents, all your personal things, it's not yours anymore. 
It's like Irving Azoff owns all your stuff, like uh, Bob Dylan and uh, the Beach Boys. But no, so this doesn't have the Bill Bixby, and uh, I really like hands-free driving. Stupid rednecks of the Republicans when they're like, nobody's going to tell me not to talk on my phone. I'm not going to wear my seatbelt or whatever it is. Number one, I've always worn my seatbelt, and I used to restore cars. And some of these cars were so old they didn't have seatbelts. Uh, but I, since since I was driving, never minded a seatbelt at all. Uh, but this was a big deal. And I remember, and Neil Rogers, he was very upset about the seatbelts. But then again, uh, I remember how Neil would drive, and he drove so slow with his Corvettes. <laughs> he would look for the slowest Corvette on the road, and that was Neil. He, he would go zero to 60 in two seconds, but stay there at 60. Uh, <laughs> so no, if you drove like Neil Rogers did, you, you wouldn't need a seatbelt. <laughs> but this is hands-free on the phone. I'm I'm loving it. I think it's a great feature to have in your car. And my car is very old. Didn't come with it. I had it. I, I installed it. But it's great. And I thought with a new phone. Oh, okay. So I'm whining about the phone. But anyway, no more Bill Bixby in the phones. I just thought I'd pass that information along to you. Of course, if I was uh, any of the uh, homicidally inclined. Uh, right-wing talkers on the air. I would have changed that story around where Bill Bixby is alive and he's in your phone, my friends, and he's going to pop out there and strangle all of you if you're white. See, that that's the difference between my radio show and all the other hate talkers on the air. Like the ones right now who are on the air saying, the libtard Democrats want us to drink plant-based beer? Why, by God, I'm not going to have plant-based plant beer. Hmm. <laughs> it's, they're, so, they're so stupid. They're so dumb. They're such, not just mugwumps. I mean, they're mud-eating uh, lowlifes. <laughs> plant-based beer. Hey, hey, Republicans, where does alcohol come from? I mean, your uh, hillbilly cousins out there out in the woods? that are banging each other there? How do they make their moonshine? What, what, they just wave a magic wand over a, a pot of water? Where does the moonshine come from? Well, it ain't, it ain't plant-based. No, it, stupid. It's made from corn. And as they said in Fatso, he loved his corn. It's, it's made from corn, you morons. You inbreds, you mugwumps, you 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 Nazi dumbasses! It's uh, alcohol comes from corn. Ooh, that's corny, but that's the truth. It comes from corn, and 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 you can't argue with your inbred cousins up there in the hills and the hollers. Yeah, they'll, they'll tell you, yeah, yeah, it comes from corn. And in beer, barley is a, a form of wheat. Yeah, uh, plant-based. Beer? They just don't come any dumber than Republicans. It's a Mexican-themed fiesta. I want you to go find firecrackers and a chihuahua. Fiesta! Cinco de Mayo's just the best thing. I love it. Woo-hoo! Bottles of beer for you to nurse. I need to drink beer. Mm, beer. Margaritas never ending. Somebody hit Margarita Madness on the way home. Girls taking off their tops and skirts. I look good without a shirt on, darn it. On May 5th, there's a party for you and me. Brain tequila, please. It's so hard to keep my carpet clean with my friends So much for the first portion of the Brit Summer Show. Stick around for, if you want to have a good time, stick around for part two. It's going to be a lot of fun 
because it's going to be all music. That's my middle name. So I want to thank uh, my extraterrestrial audience for tuning in. And I know they're smart enough to just stay on board and probably listen online and keep the show going because you're not going to want to miss this. But if you can't, if you're out there parked under the tower listening, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. And I'll see you all again here next week on This is the Brit Summers Show online at thebritsummershow.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the sounds you were about to be listening to were called instrumental hits, something that no longer exists. The Brit Summer Show on iTunes, Skyhawk Radio, FYI Nation, TuneIn, Stitcher, Patreon, SoFlow Channel, The Brit Summer Show, and assorted in a sundry to other places you can pick it up. Uh, <laughs> now what you're listening to behind me, this is Grand Funk from 1973. And it did, it was, uh, it was a minor hit, but it got a lot of airplay. Flight of the Phoenix. Or as I used to call it, Flight of the Penis. And... The whole idea of this segment of the show is is focused on something that we no longer have in our society anymore, and that is an instrumental hit song. They're all gone, but I'm going to bring them back to life just uh, momentarily here for you. But first, I want to thank everybody who contributes to this program, including Ernie. Thank you, Ernie. I, I put together all of these instrumentals that it, it, it took uh, almost two hours worth, so I had to condense it into a half hour. I'm going to get to as many of them as I can. Starting with uh, the very first instrumental hit on the rock and roll charts from 1956, Bill Doggett and Honky Talk, which was uh, too long for airplay, so they split the song in half and had part one on one side of the 45 and part two on the other. And I don't think, when this song came out, I don't even think there was an album of it yet. And both parts came out later on on an album. Well, actually, it's blues, but uh, it hit the uh, rock and blues charts in 1956. And uh, it's Bill Butler on guitar and uh, on sax, Cliff Scott, who played in other songs. The walking bass on this is Bill Doggett on the uh, low end of the organ playing as an organ. <laughs> there were more uh, instrumental hits after I'm not going to get to them all. I won't have time. And I'm not going to play any movie themes. Because, uh, yeah, they, they became hits. But, but they, they were for a, a whole different genre. Uh, TV themes, that's a different thing. Because in some cases, they were written for the show or they were just a song that was adapted to it. So I'm going to play a couple of TV themes that were huge hits, but not nothing from the movie. No, no, I mean, yeah, you know what they are. Magnificent Seven, all this. But getting back to what I was saying, music directors uh, at the radio stations back then. <laughs> music director. Won't see them no more. But they got the idea that, hey, these are instrumentals. They're rising up the charts, and we can use them to bump up to the top of the hour news. 
uh, because uh, you don't have to back time them. You just fade them down. Uh, that's why they initially got popular on radio. Uh, but there were so many at one point <laughs> playing two instrumentals in the playlist an hour, all the way up until the 70s. Yeah, Bill Doggett. Soon to be followed by none other than the Champs. And this song is still popular to this day. 1958. Here's what makes this song interesting, is that besides being uh, known for Pee Wee Herman, the personnel in this band, first of all, this was the studio version, this was a studio group, and they, they just uh, disbanded shortly after recording it, but then they had to go on tour, so they had to find new band members, and three of them you may be aware of. One was Jim Seals, the other was Dash Crofts, and Glenn Campbell. That's not who you're hearing on the recording, but they did tour as the champs early on, before the Wrecking Crew was put together. Right around the same time, they're just putting the Wrecking Crew together. And like I was saying about playing TV themes, this, this kind of like transcended TV themes. Henry Mancini, featuring an unknown pianist who went by the name of Johnny Williams. Blues Brothers brought this back, and it still, you know, it still gets play uh, somewhere. You know, I'm certain Sirius has an all-instrumental channel. You'll, you'll hear all of these things. The point to what I'm doing is, there is nothing new. I'm just going through the history of these. Then, Dwayne Eddy came along with his twang guitar. They, it was, yeah, they call him the twang guitar, but it was actually uh, one of the early uses of a fuzz box. And in those days, their idea of using a fuzz box on guitar was kicking the speaker in in the amp to give it that fuzzy sound. They actually did. They broke the amp to, to make it sound that way. This would he, he had several albums, several hits. This is Rebel Rouser at 40 Miles of Bad Road. And the only reason I'm not going to play Because They're Young, which was a great song, but that was a theme to a movie. And like I said, if I played all movie themes, I'd be here for a week on this show. And it wasn't long before that was eclipsed by this all-time classic. And it is a classic. The Ventures, 1960. In the early 60s, there was tons, tons of all kinds of genres of instrumental hit songs. Some of them were so bad, I'm not going to play them. Wheels by the String Alongs. I'm not going to play it. It's just so goddamn off. Alley Cat, Bent Fabric. What was it? The Elephant Walk? Not playing it. But I will play this. This, what you're hearing right now, was used for... It wasn't written for it, but it was used for Match Game 62. When Match Game first went on the air, before the one you're, you're familiar with that's uh, on all the game show thing. Match Game was on, it's from 62 to 65. And this was the theme song. It was shortly followed up by this uh, relatively unknown uh, who dressed up like a Mexican and uh, broke the charts with this one. A lot of bull, I mean, lonely bull by the world's only Jewish Mexican. Herb Albert posed as a, a Mexican for like, what, six years? So much so. I mean, all of his album cover, he's wearing a sombrero. <laughs> it's like nobody understood that during the, the Trump administration, all the, all the remarks I was making that he might deport Herb Albert because uh, someone as dumb as that guy would think that Herb Albert was Mexican. <laughs> I don't know how I could have overlooked this classic, which I just played on my show last week, in reference to Matt Gates' girlfriend, Ginger Lucky, let's give it up, fellas, for Ginger Lucky, let's make it rain. Billy Rose and his orchestra from 1962. 
But 62 is a fascinating year because it also brought you this gem. How many times have you heard this? Yeah, Booker T and EMGs from 1962. That was a very creative year for instrumental hits. Steve Cropper, Duck Dunn, and this isn't the only one they had. There were more to follow. But along comes 1963 with the surf craze and... Yeah, the surfaris had, to this day, people know Wipeout. And the uh, following year, <laughs> with the British invasion, with the Beatles, with the Kinks, with the Stones, with everybody else, there was Herb Alpert. This was big. This whole this album was a multi-million selling album with the girl on the cover with the whipped cream. Now, you, you can't really dance to this, but uh, if you have Herb Alpert records, you can vacuum to them. Herb Alpert's uh, 1960s albums provided a great background for vacuuming. It's a great rhythm. You can thoroughly vacuum your carpeting while listening to a Herb Alpert record. Now, in between all of the British Invasion bands and everything else, it's just uh, music for fun. Uh, this was a surprise hit song. It is by Horst Janowski. Let's say it together now, shall we? Horst Janowski. Not to be confused with Horst Buchholz. The German classical pianist put this little number together and it was a big hit. It was right up there with the Beatles and Stones and everybody else. Were you ever going to see that happen again? No. No. You will not ever see that again. That a song like this would hit the... And wait, it gets even more diverse as we keep going on. But what's fascinating about this song, it did not break on the charts. It was first heard on an episode of Perry Mason. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I do not know why. But it debuted on an episode of Perry Mason and it became a, a, a hit on the rock charts. This was on the rock and roll charts. Horst Janowski. Nineteen sixty-six, the Wrecking Crew was already well established, the best session musicians in the business, and uh, you've heard me mention them a thousand times because they're pretty much uh, all of the uh, classic rock and roll hits that you're used. It, it was them. It was the Wrecking Crew. Not that the uh, bands behind them couldn't do it, but they wanted it to sound perfect. And when it came to precision stuff, it was the Wrecking Crew. And it just so happens that they. <laughs> did this number for Alka-Seltzer, no matter what shape your stomach's in. But they couldn't tour as the Wrecking Crew, so they uh, put a band together called the T-Bones to tour with this song. Talk about drastic changes in style. Now you gotta remember, all of the most famous music acts ever in history were going on in the mid-60s. Mellowing it out in all the madness. Yeah, it's Booker T and EMGs again. Time is tight. Again, Steve Cropper, Duck Dunn, and uh, everybody saw in the Blues Brothers pretty much. Masakila, he had a Masakila, and uh, this climbed the charts and was soon followed up with a vocal version, Sakatumi Sakatumi. But around 1968, it really got bizarre. The stuff that was on, and I'm talking about mixed in with you know, you get Hey Jude, Inagater Devitter, Honey by Bobby Goldsboro. I mean, it was all over the road. It was just it, it, like I say, it was fun. Uh, I mean, even if you didn't like the stuff, it was fun. But you never knew one week to the next what you were going to be hearing. And it was always a surprise. 
Sometimes a good one, sometimes a bad one. But this was always a good one, and still a classic, because it's Classical Gas. Mason Williams wasn't just a guitarist, he was also a writer along with Steve Martin on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. So 68, this came out in summer of 68, was a wild year. And same from that year, I think these were both on the charts at the same time. And, and, and this, this thing was murdered. This song was murdered by every high school band in the country. I don't know if they still do it, but uh, ever since this song hit the charts in summer of 68, high school bands have been raping this thing. It never sounds good. It's kind of hard to have a marching band with an electric bass and an electric guitar. It's kind of like Woody Allen, uh, Take the Money and Run, he played cello in marching band. Just, just does never works. It'll never work. It always sounds bad. And, <laughs> and it's a shame, because this was a great song when it came out. They ruined it! Now all the last few songs I just played are all from that one year, that crazy 68 year. <laughs> it was like all the shackles came off and whatever it was that went on the air, including an import from France from a guy named Raymond Lafabra. This is, this is a rare one. Now, I, I doubt highly if you'll hear this one on Sirius. This is called Soul Coaxing from 1968. And yes, you would hear this wedged in between the other stuff. It sounds like it was from a movie, but it, it wasn't. It was just, uh, just a song. But it could have been a soundtrack to something. It, it just never was. Now, this one I, I played recently. Lester Holt Unlimited. I mean, Young Holt Unlimited. Although Lester Holt is a, a jazz musician, from what I understand, and he might know how to play this song. But this uh, this broke in uh, 69, and it really was recorded two years earlier. I, I don't know what the details behind it are, but uh, this sat on the shelf for two years, and uh, it became a hit in 69. Along with the one by the Meters, yes, you heard me right, the Meters, the one they named after me, the Sissy Strut. Yes, it's the Sissy Strut, and because that's how I go for my runs. You could call it a Sissy Strut. It's okay, you can make fun. I lost 10 pounds so far. <laughs> Now we go to, uh, actually, a local band from South Florida. It hit the top 40, but it never went to top 20. Stoned Cowboy by Fantasy. This was a psychedelic thing. You know something, there's a lot I didn't play because they're singing in it, but there was a uh, version of House of the Rising Sun in 1970 by Frigid Pink. Pretty much was an instrumental of it, but they did sing. But this is a kind of a sad yet interesting story. And we haven't had many local bands go national from the South Florida area, but this one did. And, uh, one of the more famous ones were Blues Image. Uh, now, the Blues Image did Ride Captain Ride. And the reason I bring that up is because there was a psychedelic nightclub down here. I think it was in North Day. And it was called The Image. It was originally called The Experience, and then it was The Image. 
and it had several house bands playing in there. One of the house bands in there happened to have been a band from Tampa, and that's where they got the name Blues Image. Uh, but the other band that was playing in there was another band called Fantasy from this area, and uh, they played there, but they went up north up to Broward, up to a little ramshackle dive. It was called the Fantasy Lounge. And they became the house band at the Fantasy Lounge. You won't, you won't find this on Wiki. Uh, because there's very little known about the band outside of what I'm about to tell you. They played at the Fantasy Lounge, which is long gone. And it was on the corner of State Road 84 and 441, which also is long gone. That whole area is gone. I remember it was a scary dive in the 70s. And to make things more scary, the lead singer of this, now this is the instrumental, but they, they had a lead singer, Billy Robbins, he went missing for several months and they uh, found his body rotting in the Everglades. Uh, and then they got a, a female singer, and she did the flip side of what you're listening to now, and uh, then she died. Not a happy story. See, if they only waited till now and just downloaded some software, none of that would have happened. That's all you got to do now. Just software. No work, no sacrifice, no sweat. Software. It's all done for you. And then you can claim yourself to be an artist. (laughs) At the same time, in 1970, this was on the charts, along with songs like DOA by Blood Rock. The Assembled Multitude. A name I can only assume they came up with because it was a a multitude of musicians that assembled to make this recording. It's just a masterpiece. But it was expensive. This song cost a lot of money. Do we have the talent to do something like this again? Uh-huh. Would corporate greenlight such a project? Uh, no! No, they will not give it to you. But going into the 70s, they still had hit instrumental songs on the rock charts. And one of the biggest bubblegum ones. I'm no, I'm not going to play popcorn. <laughs> but this was the biggest uh, bubblegum instrumental in the 70s. Early 70s, that is. And if you're wondering why I'm not playing Layla, it's because it is a vocal. Uh, but actually, when you think about it, number one song, and it was half of it, was an instrumental. early 70s had had a buttload all the way up until disco 1974 it all came to a crashing halt but we had focus who did hocus pocus you detect any frank zappa influence here just a moment but first what I in my opinion where instrumental hit songs all culminated would be with Edgar Winter Frankenstein and also known as uh, Randy Rhodes' first theme song. <laughs> I remember when she would open with this. 
There were a bunch of uh, instrumentals. They weren't hit songs. They were more of album hits. Uh, I, I, I should mention Santana had a bunch of instrumentals, uh, but they weren't big hits. Uh, Rick Wakeman from Yes, he had an instrumental album. Uh, Robin Trower did instrumentals. Stevie Ray Vaughan later on. Uh, yeah, there were a whole bunch. But I'm talking about the hits that went up the charts that were mixed in with uh, every other pop or rock song. And again, when disco came along, uh, there were a lot of disco in- instrumentals, which I'm not going to play. But it, later on, it, it transcended into schmaltz. Uh, Kenny G and all, all that stuff. Things put you into a coma. You know, like the Academy Awards did last week. But that, that, that's what happened. Now we had this, and just to make it all that much more fun, the Jay Giles Band, Whammer Jammer, featuring Magic Dick. <laughs> Yeah, I can say Magic Dick on the air. That was the man's name. Magic Dick. Let me do that right. Magic Dick. anything like that anymore, right, corporate? No. Hey, corporate recording industry, what kind of instrumental hits do you have for us now? My offer is this. Nothing. Well, you know why? Number one, the reason that you won't hear this stuff anymore, it's expensive. It costs money. You see, there's there's personnel involved, and they, they all have to get paid. And corporate found out that you could pay one person with software, and the rest is just maximized profits, and that's all they care about. And that's why you won't hear this stuff no more.
I am I saying that uh, there there aren't any talented musicians out there that could put out you know a catchy instrumental uh, hit song that that you know just be like an, an earworm that would just stay in your head? Is that possible? Why sure it is. I know they're out there. And the sad part is, we'll never at this stage we'll never know. And I feel. I, not so much bad for us, but I feel really bad for the kids now that are that want to be a musician and are learning to be musicians uh, and I'm willing to study and sacrifice and be a musician to grow up to be a professional musician that has nowhere to play. The Academy Awards, and I'm not talking COVID, this, this predates COVID. Uh, this goes back several years. The Academy Awards, the Emmy Awards, you know what's missing from them? I don't know if you've noticed. An orchestra pit. There's no more orchestra pit. You know why? Because those are musicians, and musicians equals payroll. And they don't want to pay them. Instead, they have some stupid-ass disc jockey up there. Spinning and playing EDM. Electric dance music, which costs nothing to produce. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You could get an EDM. You could get an EDM studio for less than two grand. And then you're all done. You don't have to practice. You don't have to learn. You don't have to sacrifice. You don't have to do a goddamn thing. Just boot up your computer and uh, poof, there you go. You got EDM. Nothing to it. Problem is, it sucks. Problem is, nobody wants to hear it except you. In corporate, they love it because it doesn't cost a dime. I held back playing this one because it's one of my favorites by the Allman Brothers. Did they have to do an instrumental? No. No, they did not, but I'm going to give the vocalist a break after <laughs> playing live. And, and this, uh, this is called Jessica. And I don't mind saying that uh, this is one of the songs I learned how to play guitar on. So no, we will not be hearing any kind of music pretty much ever within our lifetimes anyway. And what are you going to do if you want to hear something new, a, a new instrumental that you really like? What are you going to do to do that? Go on Spotify and put your algorithms in there and you know it'll come up the same stuff I just play here. Or if you want to hear some new instrumental, EDM, 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 software, software. But how do you put in uh, Spotify and apps like that? What do you put in there to hear musicians playing new instrumentals? How do you put that in there? No, they, they, they killed it. The corporate killed it. What, what corporate means it, it sucks. Corporate means it sucks the fun out of life. That's what corporate means. Anything that's fun, get rid of it. Because fun and creative, that costs money that we don't have to spend. We'll tell you what's fun. We'll tell you what's creative. We're corporate. We're Sony. I'm waving A's off. And I own all this music now. So in summation, everything I just played in this half hour is extinct. It's gone. Completely gone. And nobody cares because <laughs> nobody noticed. But I did. I'm going to tail out with this one. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to iTunes, Skyhawk Radio, FYI Nation, TuneIn, Stitcher, Patreon, SoFlo Channel, thebritsummersshow.com, and of course SoundCloud. And once again, I thank everybody for your generous contributions. I'll be back again next week, barring anything, because this week I almost didn't get it out. You ever have those schedules where you have uh, everything's planned, everything's in order, and then things happen to just wreck everything and you, you can't get... I, I couldn't get into the studio and I had all these uh, meetings to do and I have a lot of meetings next week. Uh, one of them being a legislative wrap-up meeting. It's important. I've got to do... All of these things. So uh, keep your legs crossed and I'll uh, pinch out another one next week. So until next time, this is Britt Summer saying, I miss music too.